Well, this morning I have the pleasure of, where is Mr. Brooks Harwood? Oh, there you are. Come up here, Brooks. Brooks is the campus minister um, for the University of Houston uh, for Reform University Fellowship. Brooks and Meredith and little Sophie. Uh, how long have you been at U of H now? Four years. Four years. Yeah. So I'm weird. super glad he's here. Brooks is here. He's a, one of the partners for our church that we support, but he shared during Sunday school with uh, the ACE class about life at U of H, and I got a good report, so thank you for <laughs> doing a good job on that. So Brooks is sharing with us today. Brooks, thanks for being here. Thanks. All right. Good to be with you all. Let me get set up here. I feel like I'm like I have like a big backpack and I'm at school. I've got so many things up here. Um, but uh, yeah, before, before we start, I'm actually just going to read uh, this passage from Jesus. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, we're in Mark 4. Just a few verses. Um, Mark 4, verse 26 through 29. This is Jesus. And he said, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, so... What, what I want you to see from this is that Jesus makes this claim that the world changes through ordinary and overlooked and unseen things that you and I do. And the, the problem behind this is that we actually just don't believe it. Um, when there's actually a photo of me, uh, I was probably four years old. I don't know what I did, but I'm in timeout. And I'm in a little yellow chair, and I'm facing the wall, and I'm in a full Batman costume. Because <laughs> um, I love superheroes. I still do to this day, but I always wanted to be one. Um, when I was in middle school, I wanted to be Spider-Man, because he was normal and ordinary and became, you know, jacked overnight. You know, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to be that. And I think... For us, I mean, even, even in my context now, if I'm honest, I want to be a perfect pastor. I want to be an amazing pastor. I want people at U of H to know, oh, you're that RUF guy. Um, I want everyone to download my sermons. You know, I want to have these counseling sessions that are transformative. Um, I want people to be convinced on the spot, right? You know, I want our group to help people perfectly all the time. And why do I daydream about that? Why do you daydream about what you daydream about? It's because you actually believe, and I believe, that we have to be great in order for God to do stuff through us. Because it's the way the world works. I mean, the world works in such a way that says the world changes through the healthy and the wealthy and the beautiful, the Instagram influencers, CEOs, um, the powerful he works through giant ministries and churches and missionaries abroad. None of this is necessarily bad, but the issue is that we aren't those things. The issue is that books will not be written about you and me. Buildings will not be named after us. Maybe. I mean, maybe one of you. <laughs> um, 
people will not know you in a famous way. You're not going to impact the masses. So then what, what part do we play in God doing stuff in this world? And that's why Jesus into that says, you know, actually I changed the world through the smallest things you do. He starts talking about a farmer. If you look at verse 26, he says, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Whenever he says the kingdom of God, he says this a lot, but he basically is just saying this is how God works. This is how God's rule and, and um, his ownership of the world works. And it's going to happen just like a farmer working out in a field. Um, and they knew this. Many of them were agrarian. They, they had done this at some point in their lives. But it's interesting what he pinpoints on. He says, it's as if a man should scatter seed. Um, I've done landscaping on and off for a long time. And let me tell you, you don't have to be a genius to know this. Seed scattering is easy. <laughs> it's some of the easiest farming you can do. The, the farmer that's named, though, in this story is not named. He's an ordinary farmer. He's going about his work. He's not famous. He's seed scattering. When you drop seeds, you're not really having to think about it. You just do it. You're not even really aware of where the seeds fell. They just fall. You're not paying attention to that. You're just throwing things left and right. Like your children could do this. Maybe you should make them do this. Um, it's easy work. It's really not that laborious. I mean, it, it can be, but it's not that hard, right? Um, and then it says that he does this daily, right? It says that in um, verse 27, he sleeps, he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. This is just normal work over and over and over again, but it's interesting. The growth that Jesus describes in this farmer's uh, life um, with, with the, the farm that he has at hand is unseen, the change that happens, he's not really aware of what's going on. It says that the seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't know how. Growth's just happening. He's working through simple, ordinary, and even unseen things to bring about change. That's what Jesus says, that, the, that how God works. And he's saying, you know, you know how I'm going to change the world? Through you not even knowing it. Let's do the small things. The things that you wouldn't even think matter they matter to me. And this would, y'all, this would have been so encouraging for his people to hear this, for his, his disciples, his followers. Why? Because they were average. They were farmers. They were builders. They were clothing makers. They were moms and dads. They were sons and daughters. They were single and married. They were teachers. And even if you actually had kind of an elite position, a priest, um, a political leader, a ruler, you still will be asking the question that ordinary people would be asking, which is, do I matter? Does my life actually do something in this world? And Jesus is saying, absolutely. Because God hasn't chosen, I mean, contrary to popular belief, God has not chosen to work through the extraordinary and the flashy and the big things we do. He works through the ordinary and the small. When I was uh, a senior in high school, my teacher uh, for like a, it's like a war religions class was named Coach Owen. And Coach Owen, um, I was not a Christian then, uh, but Coach Owen was very compelling to me uh, in a number, or for a number of reasons, but not because of anything amazing about him. Coach Owen was this normal dude. At the time, I think he was 26 and he was married and had a kid and I thought he was so old, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious to me now. But um, 
what I liked about Coach Owen was that he was honest. I remember that he, it really felt like he wanted to hear what we had to say. It felt like that he actually cared. He would ask questions. He'd be real about what he believed um, in terms of Christianity, because he was a Christian. He liked jogging. He was a, a golf coach on the side. Um, he would do goofy stuff, like I think the Gwen Stefani Bananas song was real big at that time, and he like brought like a boombox, and he would dance to it. Um, I, but I listened to him, right, because he was normal and he was real, um, and he simply explained what he thought was true about Jesus. And I remember over time I started to listen, and I started to wrestle, and I started to read the Gospels, and by the end of that year, I became a Christian. I actually mean this. I don't know if I'd be standing here if it wasn't for Coach Owen. But you, you would not know about him if I'm not telling you about him. <laughs> he didn't, he's not writing theological treatises. He's not this big, famous megapastor. He is a pastor now. He was an ordinary guy doing ordinary things, showing up to teach a bunch of dumb kids <laughs> And he loved us, and he listened to us, and my life changed completely. And that's what Jesus is saying. This is what he has chosen to do. He's like, I'm changing the world. It, he's saying it is a lie that we think that, he, that it requires bigness and flashiness for God to change the world. I mean, we, we even stop and go, look, I can't do enough for God. I'm just a kid. And we know only God works through adults. You know, or you say, oh, well, I'm just, I'm married, and if only I were single, God could really use me. Or I'm single, man, if only I were married, then God could really use me. You know, I'm, I'm an ENTP, Enneagram 6, Phobic 6, or whatever, like, and we know God only works through whatever, the opposite of you. You know, like, whatever personality type you have, whatever giftings you have, whatever job you have, you think only I was something else, if only I weren't me, God could actually do something. And Jesus is saying that's a lie. Like when I was in seminary, a friend of mine, um, he was single, I was married, he had more freedom, more latitude. I remember looking at his Instagram and thinking, this dude's life's amazing. He's traveling all the time, he's doing all this stuff. He was a youth guy, I was a youth guy. I just thought, Man, his life is better than mine in some ways. You know, social media kills us here because it just, we're constantly looking at everyone around us and we're thinking, I'm not that. And Jesus, I mean, this is, this is one of the times it's actually good for him to say, stop it. <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, he doesn't need you to be amazing for him to do amazing things through you. He's just a farmer. You just throw in seed and stuff grows. He doesn't even know how. Um, it's the day in and the day out. That mean, this is what this means. When you pray for somebody, God actually does something. It's small, but he actually does something. It's huge. When you hug somebody, you've actually proven to them that their existence matters. You know, that's small. When you listen to someone's sinful past and you don't judge them for it in the present, you're actually proving to them that they are not the worst thing they've ever done or the worst thing that they're going to do. This is enormous. It's change, right? When you choose not to cancel somebody, what you're proving is that people are more than who they vote for and more than their opinions, which is really needed today. When you forgive somebody, when you forgive somebody even if they don't deserve it, you're actually 
proving to them that maybe a God exists who forgives people that don't deserve it. Everything, y'all. Like when we invite someone into our home, when you go and talk to a homeless person, when you admit you're wrong, that you've sinned, God is changing something about the world in that moment. And it's small. But he literally transforms the world this way. That's what he says. And Jesus, he isn't actually telling us to do anything he himself didn't do. Right? If, if Jesus is God, and I think he is, that means that he came to earth not as a big, powerful, politician, elite person with a ton of power. He came as a no-name carpenter to a town that we didn't even know existed outside of the Bible until relatively recent, recently. And then he spent 30 years. We don't even know what he did. His ministry didn't start until the very end. Why did he choose to do this? Because he spent the majority of his time befriending people that other people ignored and overlooked, paralyzed, prostitutes, sinners, fishermen, tax collectors, normal people. And they just did a bunch of average things. You read the Gospels? Yes, amazing things happen. But a lot of it's just them walking around praying and eating and talking and sleeping and walking and arguing. <laughs> That's all it is. And, and he did stuff. Here, if, 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 if there's a paradigm at all with Jesus that we need to gain, is that, again, God came to earth and he didn't save it by conquering it. He saved it by dying for it. It's precisely at the moment when Jesus' followers look at him dying and they think, this movement's done. That's precisely when God was actually doing the biggest thing, which was saving us from our sins and then about to reverse death when he rose Jesus from the dead. So what it might mean is in the moment when you think nothing is happening through what you're doing, that might actually be the moment God's doing the most. If this is the model... I mean, your family, your job, your paycheck, your background, these are not your sins. These are not obstacles for God. He works through you. He works through me. And he's going to change the world. That's what he says. And then a question, even if we begin to entertain this possibility, then a question pops in. Maybe that's true. If so, how do I know that's going to happen? Because it's really hard to believe that. And Jesus says, because he's in control. Look what he says. He says in verse 27, for this farmer, stuff grows, he doesn't know how. He can't see inside the plant to know the inner workings of what's going on. And here's what's interesting, verse 28, the earth produces by itself. In Greek even, um, the word by itself is actually in the front. It's supposed to create some emphasis. So it's saying, by itself, the earth produces. <laughs> saying the farmer didn't produce this growth. This is outside of his control. Um, Jesus is trying to push this idea the farmer is not in control of everything. And then it leads to verse 29. When the grain's ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What he's saying is a harvest is going to happen. This farmer gets to play a part, but not the part. And stuff will happen. A harvest will happen that he can't even understand or see. And, and the, the promise is this. He's trying to urge him. He's trying to urge us. He's trying to urge me. The more you focus on yourself and on your abilities, the more discouraged and uncertain you're going to be. But if you focus on him, and he's actually able to bring a harvest, then you'll have a hope that no one can rob you of. 
that no circumstance can rob you of. When, when I was, um, it was a couple of years ago, I don't remember where I was going, but I was, uh, I was on a plane and I was flying uh, to Dallas and then to Colorado. I was doing some youth thing in Colorado. And um, normal day, normal plane ride, at least I thought. <laughs> um, the, uh, the pilot gets on the, the intercom and he says, uh, hey, we're going to hit some turbulence. It's going to be fine. Uh, and we did hit some turbulence and it was pretty scary. What happened was um, I'm looking over the person next to me. We're talking a little bit. And literally the plane just drops. People are screaming. She grabs my hand. <laughs> And we're like, oh no. And what we start to do, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but the person, you start talking to the person next to you and you're joking like, I don't know if we're going to make it there. Ha ha ha. You know, it's like, the, it's like, because <laughs> deep down you're not certain. And like, I mean, we, we were joking about this because we were terrified. And he tells us again that turbulence is going to happen again. And it did. <laughs> and I'm afraid of flying now, but I do it. <laughs> um, but my, my point in telling this story is that the, I could not trust in my credentials because I didn't have any. I don't know how to fly a plane. I couldn't trust in, um, you know, what the person next to me was saying because she didn't know any better than I did. I couldn't trust even in how I felt about the situation because my feelings weren't accurate to the circumstances. All I could trust was this guy's voice on an intercom who knew better, who was the pilot, who could do something, and who could get us there. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm the one that has the ability and the credentials and the power to be able to bring a harvest. Trust me. It, it's actually great news that you and I are not in control. If Jesus is in control of changing the world, that means that how you feel, how I feel, is not totally tied to our circumstances. Our circumstances can't dictate our security. I mean, stuff, because you look around, stuff is not always great. There are Wars going on right now in Ukraine that we have no control over. We can do nothing about it. You know, you hear stuff all the time on the news about racial issues or environmental concerns or the poor, whatever. Like things outside you, you just don't touch. You're like, is this going to change? Or you look inside of you, or even with other people, and you look at how somebody has hurt you in the past, a family member, a friend, and you can't get over it. You have a certain sin struggle or sin issue that just kind of just doesn't go away. It's always lingering. It's always there. You're hopeless. You have doubts. Like, you have issues that just stick. And again, you ask, like, am I going to change? I've <laughs> been trying to change a long time. Um, and Jesus is saying, I bring a harvest. Stop looking at your circumstances. It's going to get you nowhere. If, if we were to do this, I think the, the, one, the immediate payoff would be we would freak out a little less. You know, we'd still be bothered. We'd freak out a little less. We'd maybe be kinder with people we disagree with. Because I don't have to control what they think in order for a harvest to happen. I can just leave it to God and do my best. If Jesus is in control of changing the world, that means I'm not. This is great news. The, what this does... You, you might hear that and go, okay, well, that means that I don't have to do anything. No, what it means is you're still a farmer doing stuff. You just get to go to bed. He goes to sleep, you know? Like, you get to work as hard as you can, 
spreading the gospel, trying to tell people about what you think about Jesus. You get to care for the poor. You get to work as hard as you can at your job to be able to be the best worker that you can be. Build the best home you can, you can build. Be the best family person, the best single person, the best student, whatever it is, and you go, something is happening, <laughs> but I'm not doing everything. I get to go to sleep. I get to stop because I'm not God. You know, I mean, this is really hard for me. I mean, I, even talking in the Sunday school earlier, like, U of H is 44,000 people. It's got every religion on the planet. Um, the biggest ministry is the Muslim ministry at U of H. Um, every, I mean, there's so many reasons for our students not to get close to each other and not stay close to each other, and I want to fix everyone and do everything and be everywhere. I need to hear that I have something to do, but I don't have everything to do. Like, I, it's not my job. I have to trust that a harvest is going to happen, and that it is happening, that it will. I mean, if Jesus is in control of changing the world, that means, too, that, means that I'm not in control over when or how that happens. I hate traffic. You hate traffic. Why? Because you don't get where you want to go when you want to get there <laughs> and how you want to get there. And we love diets that are fast. You know, we love quick fixes for everything. I'm not saying medication's all wrong, but give me a pill and fix my problem. Like, we want something that will fix everything. And that just is, God has not chosen to change this world this way. He apparently prefers doing things slowly and clunkily through us. Like, even recently, uh, our daughter Sophie, like, I ask her to help me to do stuff all the time. Um, she's three and a half. I can do it so much better than her because I'm bigger and I'm stronger and I'm smarter but I want her to be a part of it. You know, I want her to, to actually do something, and she does. That's, that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Look, I think the, the biggest encouragement we need is that Jesus, at the end of his life, actually proves that a harvest is coming because he rose from the dead. Why is that the case? If you and I wonder if God's doing anything or if he will do something in the end, if something big is going to happen and Jesus actually rose from the dead, that means something that's unchangeable changed. Something that's impossible became possible. That means that he's able to do away with loss and pain and loneliness and sin that leads to death and he's able to reverse it. Like a harvest is possible if he came back from the dead. He's saying, this is a promise. You have a part to play. Do your best. Go to sleep. Change is going to happen. When I, I'll finish with this story. I, uh, years ago, when we first moved here, we lived near a, uh, a like an overpass, a bridge. And um, a number of homeless, mostly men, every now and then uh, women come through, but um, homeless men live there. And um, I prayed a lot about it. It took me six months to actually walk up to go park my car and say hello. But anyway, I, I come up, and I meet a man named Joe. And Joe, um, he has a, a massive injury and deformity of his leg. He has can like a type of blood cancer. Um, but, I mean, he's very immobile. Um, but he does a lot under this bridge. So I asked them what they needed. He said, you know, I think, some, you know, we could use a little bit of food. So 
um, I had some extra cans and, and things to give. And so I handed it to him. And the first thing that surprised me was that he took the food and he started walking around to everybody else. There's a number of tents and a number of other homeless people, and he was just giving it out to them. He didn't take it for himself. Um, and then he comes back to me, and I start to learn that Joe has been there for X you know, amount of time. Um, and he basically is like their caretaker. <laughs> He's like their pastor, more or less, because Joe's a Christian. I didn't know that. Joe starts talking to me about Jesus, and I was like wanting to you know, talk to him about that. Um, and uh, he starts telling me that, about his injuries and issues, and, and what, this is what he said. He goes, you know, I'm probably going to die before you, but when I do, I'm going to say, hey, so I think he said to the big man for you, <laughs> but he goes, but I'm going to be fixed, and it's going to be good. And he is under a bridge. I just passed by yesterday. A man named Joe is under a bridge without a college degree, without social power, um, without many abilities and niceties that we enjoy that are not wrong, but he's changing the world where he is. He prayed for me. Actually, when I first met him, he goes, can I pray for you? And I said, sure. So a homeless man named Joe put his hand on my shoulder, and he prayed for me. He knew what I did, and he prayed for our college students because I told him what I did. God changes the world through people like that. And this is what Jesus said. And, and if that's true, if, if he's working through the ordinary and through stuff that we would never believe that he works through, then there's hope for us. He can work through you. He can work through me. Let's pray. Father, I just simply ask that you would help us to believe this, um, to know this is true, and to uh, love you even more for it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.